Hi, you're listening to LGBT and Faith, where we look at inclusive approaches around the globe that bring people of faith and LGBT people together. I'm Henry from Yuga, Asia, the Asian region of the International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Trans and Intersex Association. And I'm Klaus Müller, founder and chair of the Salzburg Global LGBT Forum. In this series, we share audio versions of blogs that were published as part of our ongoing global online forum on LGBT and faith. You'll hear from members and leaders of faith communities from within Judaism, Islam, Christianity, Hinduism, Buddhism and Sikhism, as well as from agnostics, atheists, anthropologists and cultural believers, queer or straight. We believe in the fundamental values of LGBT equality and religious freedom. Reverend Ecclesia Dilanga, the founder of Inclusive and Affirming Ministries, joins us today to reflect on a journey of becoming both vulnerable and courageous. My name is Ecclesia Dilanga. I'm an ordained minister of the Methodist Church of Southern Africa. I was suspended and discontinued as a Methodist minister in February 2010 after announcing to my congregations that I was going to marry my same-sex life partner. Today, I'm the director of Inclusive and Affirming Ministries, also known by the acronym IAM. We are in Cape Town, South Africa. This is also where I reside with my wife, Melanie. This podcast is a reflection on a journey of becoming vulnerable and courageous. I chose the image of a swinging bridge that depicts a path into the unknown. Not everyone is comfortable to cross this kind of bridge as it moves with every step. Life is in constant movement, which asks of us to move with it, to bring harmony between one's sexuality and spirituality. My journey to serve Jesus and to be true to myself has become a complex one full of learning disappointment, frustration, and ultimately, hope and love. During my late teens, I came to the conclusion that I'm a lesbian. I realized that this discovery would not be acceptable to my family or church, and so I concealed it. I tried to fit in by being in heterosexual relationships, appearing to be normal and acceptable to the community. However, My ability to pretend to be heterosexual did not last, and it wasn't long before others found out about my sexual orientation. I was told in no uncertain terms that I cannot be Christian and lesbian. My family relationships and support systems were shattered. The church's stance on homosexuality sent a clear message of rejection to me, which forced me to leave the church. The pain and loss were immense. As my faith is very important to me, I try to conform by attending support groups and going for counseling. I was also part of an ex-gay ministry for recovering gay people for several years. However, none of these efforts changed my sexual orientation. In order to obey the church's teaching, I lived in denial of who I am and I settled for a life of celibacy and secrecy. With much research and self-evaluation, I discovered new ways of interpreting scripture and coming to terms with who I am as a child of God. 
By God's grace, I met a wonderful person and entered into a committed, faithful relationship. In our desire to honor God, we celebrated our love relationship by getting married in December 2009. No longer able to bear the soul-destroying silence, I eventually announced my intended marriage to the congregation. I was overwhelmed by their support and good wishes. I came to see that it is better to be rejected for who I am than to be accepted for who I am not. My wish to marry a person of the same sex led to firstly my suspension as a Methodist minister, then a finding of insubordination against me, and finally the discontinuation of my ministry in the Methodist Church of Southern Africa. I then decided to take the matter to the courts. This brought huge stress and tension to my marriage, which we eventually had to take the painful decision to end. Today, I lead an organization called Inclusive and Affirming Ministries, which is a faith-based NGO based in Cape Town, South Africa, founded in 1995. And since 2009, we've expanded our network regionally to Southern and East Africa. Inclusive and Affirming Ministries has played a vital role, not only in my healing, but also in the formation of my spirituality, capacity to dialogue with clergy, to manage diversity, and to hold the tension between those that oppose inclusivity, particularly based on biblical text, and those who stand for inclusion of all. It has indeed been an intense journey of experiencing God in a new way. Through my work with I Am, I continue to use my experience to work towards removing the barriers between the church and LGBT people of faith. You might want to ask, how do we remove barriers between the church and LGBT people of faith? Over the past 25 years, I Am has worked closely with clergy and faith communities by introducing and providing training on issues around contextual Bible reading or studies integrating sexuality and spirituality and sexual orientation, gender identity and sexual characteristics, also known as SOGI-SC. We promote diversity awareness that underlines the ideals of an open, inclusive and equal society. IAM strives to be the alternative religious voice that raises awareness about the detrimental effects that religion can have on the lives of LGBT people. As one can imagine, this has been a journey of constant learning, specifically how best to work intersectionally, focusing on LGBT, but also on gender, race, health, faith, and poverty. Over the years, we have developed a theory of action called the wheel of change. Our theory moves people to a place of ready-making which prepares people for the conversation in order to move them to a place of opening their minds, hearts, and religious communities' doors to advocate for the inclusion of all people and or to do as little harm. We use an authentic embodied dialogue approach, which calls for three elements to be present. Number one, create brave and safe spaces where the voice of the oppressed can be heard creating safe spaces for words, song, ritual, and the silence of solidarity to express the trauma experience might assist 
in the reclaiming of agency and the development of a vocabulary of embodied resistance. Number two, there is an awareness of people in the room, the power they embody, their socio-economical status, and the access and understanding of the content. Number three, there is an awareness of the context of the dialogue space, the culture, values, and politics of people. It is of paramount importance to remember that this is a process that takes time. There are tendencies to rush too quickly through what is a slow and complex process. Slow it down in order to take people with you on the journey. Important to the dialogue process is to ensure that LGBT people are present in the conversation. Nothing about us without us. We've also developed a best practice in training clergy and other religious leaders. This is to assist and guide this complex journey of inclusion. We promote the following nine ideas and more. Number one, be willing to interrogate your own sexuality and spirituality. This requires authenticity, vulnerability, and the courage to lead by example. Number two, avoid the debate of right and wrong by introducing a dialogue or conversational process. Number three, clarify terminology. Debunk the myths around LGBT people and develop inclusive language. Number four, engage with the Bible or sacred text by introducing the contextual Bible reading process. Diverse interpretations of the Bible and the experience of LGBT people this will also involve presenting new theologies like indecent theology, body theology, queer theology, and people's theology. Number five, it is also helpful to link the similarities between the system of slavery and the system of homophobia by identifying that both are constructed on the desire to control and oppress the bodies of vilified others. This shifts the theological discourse in ways that can be very insightful and productive. Queer sexuality then becomes a matter of social justice, not personal morality. Number six, building the capacity and agency of congregants becomes an important tool for transformation and inclusion. Number seven, utilize and develop resources for people who are resistant to transformation. Number eight, be creative in making your inclusive faith communities visible from the outside and on social media. Number nine, don't underestimate the one-on-one -on -one conversations with your co-leaders and congregants. And so the journey continues. I survived the most difficult part of the journey, self-acceptance, and I made it through, not broken, but more confident and complete than I ever was. It has become my life work to continue to stay in dialogue and fervent prayer that will lead to healing, reconciliation, and inclusivity of all God's people. God has been faithful. Through all the pain and trauma, I found new love. It is my sincere prayer that the church will be an active participant in spreading the belief that all are equal in the eyes of God.
These episodes are audio versions from a series of blogs produced by Salzburg Global Fellows, taking part in the Global Online Forum on LGBT and Faith. Head to salzburgglobal.org slash go slash LGBT to read the written version of this blog and learn more about our ongoing work. You can also reach out to Ilga Asia on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ILGA Asia to learn more about our work. Next episode, anthropologist Saskia Wirinha looks back at a personal faith journey through three religions. <laughs>